Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 4K podcast. This week, this week's topic, we're going to talk about details about 4K plan providers that employers never really ask about. And of course, um, first things first, uh, that 4K site.com for the information on all our events. Was it January 25th, 26th, our virtual plan spa, uh, plan provider conference? Um, two days, few hours each. Uh, you know, you get my emails, you get in for free, otherwise it's two bucks and 24 cents, I think. And then, of course, uh, Arlington, Texas, Bronx, New York, uh, further events in 2024. Uh, and, of course, that dot com obviously has all the articles, information, whatnot, um, stuff that, you know, could, could be a good read. But anyway... Um, when it comes to plant provider credentials, I will always say that, you know, I've been through enough rodeos, even though I wasn't in a literal rodeo. Um, never been to one. Been to Texas a few times. Uh, and again, we'll hopefully be there in May. I don't know if I'll be able to get to South Fork again in May, but we'll see. But uh, I really, you know, I think I'm, again, it's a term that I use, the, the turd in the punch bowl. Um because I ask some really tough questions that nobody else will ask, kind of like Larry David. And the turn in the punch bowl remark um, came from a Howard Stern in interview with uh, Harry Shearer, um, who you know was in Spinal Tap, Senate Live, and a voice on The Simpsons. And Howard asked him if uh, you know it's true that he is the uh, turn in the punch bowl. The guy kind of ruins things with questions, and of course, you know. One of my, you know, my favorite show currently is obviously Kirby Enthusiasm, and yes, there's a little Larry David in me sometimes. But there, are, you know, obviously, you know, I don't. You know, sometimes I'll ask <laughs> the really bad questions. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite questions of all time. Uh, I was, uh, you'll see on YouTube. I had the pleasure of uh, interviewing uh, Congressman Jamie Raskin from Maryland. And, Congressman Raskin, um, I, I'm sure people know who, who listen to this podcast, Congressman Raskin was the associate dean of my law school. And I love Jamie. Um, his real name is Benjamin Jamin Raskin, but he now for pol politics is Jamie. But anyway, you know, his politics were, you know, very left to me, uh, still is. Um, but, uh, you know, he was... You know, I, I, he, he was my rabbi, as they would say, or my confidant in law school. I didn't have him for a class, and he was a great help. And so when I interviewed Raskin for this interview, and this happened, we were supposed to do it um, during the first annual play, virtual conference, and he, we couldn't because, you know, he was trying to impeach, you know, Trump for a second time. And uh, I asked him point blank, how'd you do, <laughs> how'd you do with me? Uh, you know, and so that was just one of my favorite questions. How'd, how'd you, I, I forget the question. I was like, how'd you deal with a pain in the ass like me or whatever? But there are serious questions that you can and should ask plan providers for. Um, obviously, number one is uh, credentials. Uh, nobody asks about them. Um, you can check me out on New York State's attorney directory. Uh, it will show that I was admitted to the New York Bar on February 4th, 1998. It will show that I believe that I was 
admitted to the bar in Massachusetts on, I think, July 2nd, 1998, and I think it's December the 4th, 98, in California. Massachusetts and California, I'm still uh, inactive. I still pay the fees. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, you're looking at, you know, $300 a year for the last 25 years. Uh, you do the math. Uh, it could have been a vast fortune that I had spent on keeping up these licenses. But when you sit three days in Long Beach taking a bar exam and you accomplished it, and you sat there with people who had failed California, you know, fellow law school graduates who failed, failed it twice, and you're taking the third state bar, different state bar, and you passed, you want to pay and keep up with that. But, you know, I don't think many people verify that I am an attorney. I mean, obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a breaking the law if you're, you know, practicing without a license. I'm sure the same way for an accountant and, um, you know, investment advisors and such. But there are no licensing requirements for a TPA. So, you know, the joke is, is that, uh, um, you know, anybody can open up a TPA firm. But when you have a, you know, when you have licensing for attorneys and accountants and brokers and investment advisors, you'll see, you know, sometimes, uh, not for lawyers, obviously, we like to hide things, but, um, you know, any type of complaints, whether they are substantiated or not, you'll see it on broker check or whatnot. And uh, I will say that any complaint is of little use. Now, there is a uh, New Jersey TPA uh, who owned the, who bought a Florida TPA, and um, they filed a complaint against me um, because his feelings were hurt. I alleged, uh, and I believe that they were trying to rip off the plan that I was the plan sponsor of, to the tune of $80,000. Uh, he sent me the complaint that he was going to send to the Attorney Grievance Committee. First of all, the first time he sent it, he sent it to the wrong address. Uh, if you want to file a grievance against me, you have to do it to Suffolk County. We have judicial districts in New York. Uh, the Suffolk County office handles Nassau and Suffolk attorneys. He was sending it to New York City, and then I think he sent it correctly to the right address. To this day, I don't know if he ever sent it. To this day, I don't know whatever happened with that complaint. They might, he might not have mailed it and lied because that's what narcissists do. Or he could have just, you know, they could have just laughed him out because basically he said, I, I don't know what I'm going to compl complaining about, but he, he, he hurt my business. Uh, but like I said, with TPAs, that's always a problem with licensing. There isn't, um, you know, anybody can, can do that. Um, you know, my you know, 18 year old son can open up a TPA shop if he wanted to, um, if he got off the couch. But, um, you know, the Google machine can certainly help you when investigating TPAs and, and checking out credentials. Again, I sit in this, you know, uh, kind of, not, it's we kind of call it the basement, the lower floor. It's, ha you know, below half of it's below grade, whatever. We had a higher waterproofing company. They were paying the rear end, which, uh, you know, we, we had a near flood here about a week and a half ago. Luckily, the French drain and the sub pumps worked out, but we used a waterproofing company. They were terrible. And, you know, a Google search would have shown that there were numerous complaints on the Nassau County uh, licensing uh, department. And a further review would have shown that the guy who was running the company wasn't the owner because he was he lost his podiatry license because of Medicaid, uh, Medicare fraud, I'm sorry. But um, 
Another example is Jeff Ritchie, um, Vanguard Benefits, TPA shop in Dallas or outside somewhere in Texas. Um, they stole 15, that for, he, he and his wife stole $15 million from clients. A simple Google review would have shown that uh, he was barred from the securities business by the Securities Exchange Commission. Um, you know, you just should Google it. And, you know, another big credential issue is uh, the, the curious case of Matt Hutchinson. Still, I think he might be out of prison. Maybe he's in a halfway house. Uh, sold millions of dollars uh, as a plant fiduciary. Again, he was somebody who came out of nowhere, was on PBS Frontline talking about fees. So everybody made him out to be an expert, including yours truly. And he stole money and whatnot. Um, there are all these people in this business that are con artists. They're mostly good people, but you get a couple that are just crooks. But, uh, you know, uh, the problem is rooting it out. Uh, the most miserable boss I ever worked for, uh, the guy who didn't own the business but who ran it into the grounds, um, guy lied about his ASPA QKA um, credential. He never kept up with his continuing education, and I don't know why he was able to use it. I guess ASPA didn't find out and discover it. Uh, from what I understand... Thanks to a whistleblower complaint about my buddy, um, I believe he is barred from ever being involved in the management of a third-party administration firm. But, um, you know, there'll always be people that'll claim things about themselves that aren't true and easily disproven. Matt Hutchinson claimed he was one of the founders of Brightscope. Matt Hutchinson said that uh, he was up for the Department of Labor uh, to head it, which I, I was laugh, you know, laughing about. But... You know, um, it's it's a tough thing. Uh, credentials, you know, you uh, you got, got like an alphabet soup. Um, QPA, QKA, CLU, CFP, and all this stuff. But it's gotten to the point where you know there are um, there are firms out there that have their own credentials. They made it up. Uh, I'm not kidding. There's an advisory firm that I know of uh, that I used to do a lot of work with. And they created their own credential. You know, it's uh, it's a dimensional wealth. I don't know what it was, but it was it was it was a joke. Um, you know, I could call myself Rabbi Rabbi R. A. Rosenbaum. I self ordained, but uh, you know, if uh, I didn't get a smicha or you know designation from a rabbinical college, uh, that title is meaningless. Um, you know, uh, you know, plant providers have professional designations. They have to really make sure that it's real and legitimate. Next on the hit list is insurance. Uh, plant providers obviously make mistakes. I never, I'll never forget when um, we, you know, worked at a TPA place. Uh, Harvey Berman was running the shop, along with Dan Sussman. One of the processors made a big error. Uh, cost uh, plant sponsors a lot of money. And uh, we had to fix it. And Harvey Berman said it best. This is why we have E&O policies. Uh, you know, whether it's a you know any type of plant provider firm, you got to make sure is there enough insurance out there to protect them and to protect you in case there are you know issues. Uh, you know, and, and the problem sometimes is they could have insurance, but they could have the wrong uh, insurance. There are fiduciaries out there, financial advisors, who advertise themselves as 338 fiduciaries, but their insurance coverage doesn't cover that. Uh, again, it's always possible plant providers have the wrong type of coverage. So it's important, you know, 
to understand and figure out uh, whether they're protected and whether you're protected if things go south. Uh, what's next is what's the churn rate? Uh, a churn rate is kind of an interesting thing. A churn rate is really a measure of the proportion of individuals or items moving out of a group over a specific period of time. So percentage of clients leaving, that's your churn rate for a plan provider. If you have a plan provider where, you know, the average, you know, age of a client, the length of service provided to them is, is long, that's a good sign. If the plan provider has a 10%, you know, churn rate or attrition rate or whatnot, they may not be, got, be so good. You know, it's great that a business has a steady level of customers, but if it's like some of those payroll providers where they're going in and out, uh, that's not a good sign. You know, we added, you know, we, if we added 5,000 clients and we lost 4,900, is that really growth? I don't know. Um, to me, when dealing with a plant provider, the churn rate when applied to customer base over time for plant providers is, you know, really, are they leaving that plant provider during a period? So, again, you can tell how many plans on the administration, but if you have a high churn rate, it's, it's, it's not good. Um, you know, again... Uh, when you have a plan provider that has long-term clients, they never leave, um, and you have clients over 20 years, that, that's, that's great. Next is, uh, last but not least, what's the training? Um, you know, when I started out as an attorney, you know, there was a bias against, you know, people who are newly admitted. Um... It, it was tough. Uh, you know, I graduated law school in 97. Uh, job market wasn't very good. Washington College of Law, American University was a third graded law school in a two law school town. Uh, I saw limited job options. So I said, you know what, let me go take another year. I, I got a tax LLM degree at Boston University and I still had a tough time getting a job. Um, I was interviewing, I mean, it's just, you know, brings back you know, not, not so great memories, but it's all learning experience. And, you know, life to me is like a choose your own adventure book, whatever you pick out, you know, you get it at the end. So listen, it, it was all a journey. Um, I'm happy that I have my own practice. Yeah, things could always be better and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, the problem, obviously, uh, you know, finding a good job. Uh, I was interviewing at a... Um, insurance company, uh, local Boston office, and I wanted $35,000. And I interviewed with the guy seven times. And at the end, he, he offered me 30. And I just walked away and never talked to him again. And that was it. So still couldn't find a job. Um, took the California bar. So I took the whole summer off of 98. And eventually I started work with, you know, Harvey Berman in September 98. But, um, you know, the thing with experience is, yeah, they look for experienced people. But sometimes experience doesn't mean anything. Um, I will always say that there are people in this business, that, you know, plan administrators have been around for 20 years and they don't know much since they never really got the proper training from the beginning. And they don't get any type of continuing education. I remember work, once working with an administrator and, you know, uh, he was allowing, in that time, he was allowing hardship distributions from 401k plans and earnings. And I said, well, you know, that that... Uh, that hasn't been allowed since 1988. And this was like you know, 2000 when he's coming back to me. I'm obviously the rules have changed since then. But uh, I had another uh, administrator 
you know, years later in, in 2005 or whatever it was. And he was still running his plans on a uh, seven-year vesting schedule for matching contributions. And I think that uh, we know that, uh, we know that, uh, you know, uh, Ektra, 2001, effective in 2002, shortened the vesting schedule from seven-year graded to six. So, you know, again, if you got bad training, uh, people will never get any better. Uh, they'll never be any good. Um, it's it, it's from the get-go. And uh, I, you know, work at a TPA firm, and they recruited my old college, Stony Brook, which, of course, second year in a row, the number one state university um, in the state of New York. Um, state college, state university, I'm sorry, state university. So that's a big deal for me because when I went to Stony Brook, it was dead last and it bothers my wife to no end because she once she was a graduate of Binghamton. But for all these years, Binghamton was number one until the last two years. But anyway, they recruited people from my college. But it didn't mean anything. You know, Stony Brook kids, pretty smart and all that stuff. But if you don't, you know, there were math experts and, you know, we were, you know these days it's, it's science and math. Social science is not a big deal anymore at Stony Brook. It's the science and math that have made, and the engineering that have made Stony Brook a powerhouse as a state university. I think they're one of the top uh, 60 universities uh, in the United States now. Uh, with my high school grades and, and SAT, I would not be a Stony Brook admittee uh, this year. But again, you know, you can work for people that have two years, a bit, two years of experience and they know a lot more than people with 20. Uh, don't have a bias against people with, you know, limited amount of years experience because I've worked with plan administrators that for, you know, again, they worked 20 years and they were terrible. Um, you know, again, um, uh, it was a TPA that I had worked for and then I left and I was an attorney on the opposite side and um, client was a law firm and, you know, law firms have named partners and she didn't include the name partner's wife and daughter as a key employee. So, you know, incorrectly did the top heavy, changed TPAs, top heavy is then done correctly. And plan sponsor now owes $8,000 plus earnings. Uh, that's, that's a problem. But that was somebody who had 20 years of experience who didn't know what the hell she was doing. Uh, and, and that's, that's it. And, you know, you can see in, when you talk to, you know, as a recitator, when you talk to TPAs or the plan administrators working for TPAs, you know when people don't know what they're talking about. Right now I have, have an audit and, you know, it's uh, one of these big companies and the guy really just doesn't know anything. It's obviously somebody who just doesn't understand how, you know, business is run and all that stuff, but that is, it is what it is. But anyway... Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode of that 4 k podcast. And of course, go to that 4 for further information on all our live and virtual events. Take care. Bye.